three, two, one. So what are we? Some kind of video drone? That was a quote from Final Destination 5. I'm Adam from Your Movie Sex. This is Sardonicast. Hello. Long live the new flesh. Uh, I'm Alex from IHG. And, uh... <laughs> Probably would have been a better one, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was like really kind of shocked you didn't whip that one out. I give, I've given up a long time ago. Yeah. I have, I have given up so long ago. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but that's not all. We have a, we have a special guest today. When, when, when do you think that is? When do you think When do you think it is that people decide to give up on YouTube? Oh, um, million subs. Mm. That's probably fair. That's probably that's probably a fair one. Where it's just like yeah, I just I have nothing left. Who to the get. hell's talking? Who is this? Oh, I'm. Yeah, who are you? I'm Hunter, aka Meat Canyon, aka Papa Meat. Hmm. Hello. Very very nice. Yeah. I have a I have a stomach that looks like a, a vagina. Ooh. Which also ties Ooh, into nice. what we're talking about today as well. Do you have a name for it? I'm. G- do I have a name for it? Oh, yeah. I guess I could just call it Meat Canyon. Is what I could call it mm. if I wanted yeah, to. Works. If I wanted to, of meat. So, as yeah. as a super meat boy, what mm. <laughs> exactly do you do? I make cringy cartoons <laughs> for eight year olds, and I uh, don't sell yourself short. I make. Uh, I like making videos about cringy subjects on my second channel. Mm-hmm. And that's what I that's what I do. That's how I pay the bills. So I find your channel very interesting because there was a certain period of time where it seemed like this type of animated content on YouTube was just not coming back where it would not be successful in any way because of how they changed the ad algorithms to favor long form Mm -hmm. content, the amount of time and effort and labor that goes into making animated content. So I I would like to, I guess, just pick your brain on this. How does it feel occupying the space? And was it a particular challenge growing on the platform in that way? And also, what's your production process like on your videos? How many people do you have working for you animating? Yeah, I'm super curious on that. What's each each video like? Thanks. Yeah, the... uh I guess to start with the production team, now uh, we have about 15 people that work on the videos per video, so we have a pretty big team now. When I started, it was just myself. And I mean, yeah, I've heard that a lot about people saying that like this kind of animation was dead or kind of like, um, I don't know if it's like the random XD kind of like flash new ground style Very stuff. New grounds, yeah, yeah. But I, that's just what I liked. You know, mm-hmm. when I was in college, I didn't have internet till I was in college, so I didn't really have access to. All, I missed that complete wave of all that shit, and I was obsessed with it in college. And just like you know, when you get into college, you're kind of like figuring out like all the shit you really like and stuff. And I think mm-hmm. that to me, I just enjoyed. I enjoyed the kind of gross out character like um, detail swabs of like. Uh, SpongeBob and Ren and Stimpy and stuff, which I'm pretty sure is like (laughs) Mm, obviously a huge inspiration for those guys too. Um, And then I'll, you know, it it just kind of spiraled from there. But I know that um, back in the day, even whenever I wasn't even doing YouTube, because I didn't do YouTube till long after I was out of college. um, Mm -hmm. 
And I remember seeing other videos like Rubber Ninja made, Ross, and like Mick, yep. Rice Pirate made about how the site's changing. And it was kind of like a, yeah, it was like a death bell basically being <laughs> like, it's just done. We're, we're done. There's yeah, no real way to make money with this. And I just thought that, you know, I think that that's what everybody believed. And I think for a time it was, but I just remember being like, I, I started posting just like 60 second cartoons on Instagram just because they were easy. I've never been like the best animator ever. And to me, I just wanted to, all of my favorite shows were people standing and talking. That's just all yeah. I wanted to do was just tell Space Ghost, shit. <laughs> Space Ghost, Aqua Teen, yeah. Metalocalypse. It's just people standing and talking. Yeah. Um, King of the Hill, whatever. Uh, but so, so I could still do the same kind of flash animations, but pump them out relatively quickly. And I had to confine them to like 60 seconds because that's as long as like uh, Instagram video would be back then. Mm. And then I just kind of on a whim was just like, you know, I mean, I'm making these. I don't know why I'm not. I remember I hit like 8,000 followers and I was like, you know, this is awesome. This is awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but I decided I was like, fuck it. I'm going to put, uh, I'm just going to put these up on YouTube just because I mean, who cares? I'm not going to make, I'm not making money on Instagram. Why do I care? And the first one I post and the, the first big one that I posted was um, the Pinocchio one I did, which is mm. so like by mm -hmm. a luck itself was the thing that like, kind of started all this almost five years ago oh, really so um but yeah no and then ever since there too i just i had talked i have like i worked in the animation industry and there was a couple like storytime animators that i worked with which they were doing very well and storytime back then was like exploding i mean yeah. i still think that it does well but i don't think mm -hmm. it's as like crazy as it used to be but i could be wrong but um the big the biggest thing people said was like, oh, if you have a video hit, you really got to capitalize on it. And that's what that was like the tragic tale of all of them that I mm -hmm. met was like I had a video that hit like 400,000 views, but then it took me like four months to upload something. And then it was just there was no that traction. Sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then so I was just like, as soon as this one hit, I was just immediately started going. And then that's kind of what also caused this work cycle um, just to kind of keep, you know be competitive on the platform yeah, and not look at yourself as just an animator, but more so like a YouTube content creator. Yeah. So going back to your crew though, um, you said 15 people. What does that break down into? You got storyboard artists, how many animators are in there? Like, how does that? Yeah, we have storyboard artists. We have about four to six animators. We have, um, so like usually one comp designer, audio guy, dude for music, and uh, the I guess the 15 fluctuates with the amount of animators like we've been trying to do more 2D like frame by frame stuff. Um, and that just helps, obviously, if people have less less shots. Yeah. So. I noticed you um, you collaborate a lot with uh, Jamie R, who I've been a big fan of for a long time. Oh, yeah. Some, no, I'm so, so lucky. Some of those shots are like <laughs> incredible. Yeah. How did uh, how did that come together? Um, have you just been a fan for a long time? And I was pitching a show to 20th Century Fox with Hulu. Uh, Jamie was working on some of these Halloween shorts with him, and I got to just talk with him while he did, like, one of those Huluween animation shorts, whatever. Yeah, right. Pinelli show or whatever it was called. Yes, 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 Pinelli yes, exactly. Thing? So, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, you know, t talking to him, but then I was just like, yeah, I, uh, you know, <laughs> like, if you're ever looking for any work again, let me know, because, dude, like... Being an animator, especially in the YouTube system, like or in the uh, Hollywood system, is ter like terrible. It's mm -hmm. the worst setup. It's like another reason too, which 
I mean, I'm paraphrasing this, of course, but like when I see like the Writers Guild of America, like these SAG strikes and people Mm -hmm. are like, writers need to get paid more, you know, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I just think about like all the animators who are like completely losing work, all the sound guys who are totally fucked. Visual effects artists. Visual effect, everybody. And it's like, and then they come back and they're like, ah, we made $5 more an hour. I hope that nine months of no work in LA did really good for you in your studio apartment. It just, it's, it, mm. it's such an under like appreciated thing. And it's like, there, there's no also salary position. That's like a big misconception yeah. that I had when I first moved out. Cause I went to LA when I graduated college and I was fucking broke. And then I went, bro- <laughs> I went broke again, was homeless for like three months living in my Dodge caliber it was the worst. Oh, but man. the, the whole idea was that like, you get a job and you're like, I did it. I got, you know, I, I'm a big animator now. Made it. And then they're like, all right, three months is out. Good luck. And then you, they kick you to the curb. And you're like, I have to do this. I'll find a new contract all over again. And that's every time until you spend like, I don't know, three, four years in the industry to where you can make those like connections. Um, So it was just brutal. But anyway, but I offered him the work just because I was like, man, I've been watching your stuff. I love it. Like it's body horror i like doing horror stuff it's like yeah it's i just think i have the most fun with it mm-hmm. and yeah i mean and, and also he is the fastest animator i've ever met in my life oh it's really? dis- it's, he'd have to it's be disgusting based on the fucking shit on his youtube channel it's like how do you create that oh my god an animator? i don't even it's i so don't know fluid. yeah it's incredible it's so fluid and his roughs are like because usually you go like you do the animatic and then you do a rough pass so that way people aren't like spending tons of time cleaning something and be like, dude, that's totally wrong. But all of his roughs are so clean and you're like, how the fuck did you even think of like <laughs> the physics of this? Like wow. the oh, thing yeah. is moving and stuff. So it's, it's just, it, it's so impressive. Yeah. And he's honestly, and he's been great. I think he likes working on the videos. He keeps coming back. So we're very, very fortunate to have him in. Yeah, shout out to to Jamie R for anybody listening. You can just search that on YouTube. There's a video called A Prank Time. There's a video called You Lovely Lovers. Some really incredible animation. It's like mm-hmm. I look at I look at that and it reminds me of like Studio Ghibli's. <laughs> you know, it's a very different yeah, yeah. It goal. It's genuinely that quality. But it's like, yeah, holy yeah, shit, yeah. The, the fluidity of this animation and just how how well the ev- all the visuals transition from one thing into another and the entire imaginative nature of it it's yeah i, I absolutely love it yeah there was a shot in the uh, xqc video you did the tragedy of reaction streamer where i had to watch it like 20 times over because <laughs> i was just so impressed it's when the the last maid is trying to escape and xqc like launches into the air with his with his elongated arm and his neck is flowing everywhere while his this like 3d chair is flowing it's, it's just like incredible some of the stuff you get in these videos now oh, so yeah, like, that thanks, was one of the man. things i was really blown away with like you just said like you haven't really been on the platform for that long and we always talk about on the channel how we like to see like this growth if you go back to older videos and you really see it with your stuff like just within a space of three four years like the 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 quality is like just skyrocketed and it's just going up and up with each one like and it's it's so like a uh, inspiring to see because yeah I, th- I really thought this kind of content was was pretty much dead and gone Kaput. like old like 2010 only ng psychic bubble stuff like and yeah. yeah success in other ways i think that it, it, it exists still i think it just takes time i think that a lot of people yeah. that mm-hmm. the old ways of doing it too was like the psychic pebbles and you know oni and all those guys 
it, they come from like you do it all yourself kind of thing, which I'm I'm sure they had some help, but I think that was kind of the mentality back then is that like this art is a representation of yourself. And that was like a big thing. Like mm-hmm. th- this mm-hmm. is made completely by me. And would you still have that today with like Speedaroo who just did uh punch punch forever, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. You have like worthy kids who makes brilliant animations. Um, not so much in like a new ground style, but still like just somebody who is like a jack of all trades. And I think that uh, the only reason that I'm successful is just because of like getting rid of the ego of like everything, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like it's all me. And instead just being yeah. like, I just want to like be able to, you know, pay my bills but it still very much is you i would say oh i mean it it is yeah i mean it's all written by me it's all it's all filtered through my brain Mm -hmm. but just with it's also helps me sleep at night and helps me keep me sane being like having such an amazing team which i link all of their stuff in all of my videos too so if you guys if anybody's listening and they're like who's the rest of the crew please check it out because they're all like just extremely talented so and they're great people to follow too so that's dope they're all there yeah, it is. Uh, I I need to find out how to stop micromanaging everything. It's my biggest fucking thing I need to figure hard, out in man. the next decade. Yeah. yeah. But then figuring that out is like a big process in of itself, which takes up time, which is like, ah, do I have this time right now? And blah, 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 blah. I've been through this rant yeah. before. It, 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 it's hard to put that trust in people was the biggest thing that was yeah. hard to overcome for me. Especially when you try yeah. it and it doesn't work out, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to, you, you have to completely shoot yourself in the foot a couple of times and realize like what priorities can you give people? And also sometimes I think it comes down to like, sometimes I don't think people are like looking to actively fuck you over, but sometimes it's just the things don't align right. And it just, yeah, it is yeah. what it is. But, but then that goes to show too, where it's like, if you do have somebody who's looking for work, who's a good worker, like you should stick by them and you should like give them that respect and shit because that it's very hard to come by. So now, uh, one of the reasons why, uh, I love your content and I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I feel as though your animations, although definitely touching on, you know, kind of pop culture or like YouTuber figures. And there is, as you said, cringe, there is some mockery, there's some satire. I've always felt as though your particular videos, it's always coming from somewhat of an empathetic place. It never feels like you're just fucking bullying the shit out of somebody <laughs> you know mm, right it, right it always feels mm. like oh you're creating art and and you know there there might be a criticism in the art there might be a greater point to it but you're not just going like hey you stink and like it, it i think it would be yeah, so easy yeah. for someone to create something where they think that they're doing what you're doing but it actually just turning out to be you know just really malicious which i i I appreciate that you avoid and i I remember hearing you talk about uh uh mr avocado i think on your second Mm. channel or (laughs) something i don't remember but yeah you know you made it clear like hey you know you you can do whatever he wants i'd like to you know meet the guy and say hi and i thought that that was really cool whereas yeah yeah you did i thought that was really cool whereas a lot of people were just kind of being like this is disgusting and like kind of treating him as subhuman whereas you really you you made something something empathetic and you're willing to you know treat people with dignity and still create good content <laughs> so i think that that's yeah. pretty cool <laughs> no i mean i think that things that <clears throat> which I, you know i'm not making like a fucking 
a 24 art house piece or something like that. But I do try to like look at the narratives in that way and find interesting parallels and stuff like the, the Nikocado one, you know, I struggle with weight too. And I, I, I have that sympathy and I think it's like the choices you make are the things that define you and stuff in the parallel with like King Midas is mm-hmm. there. And I, and I do feel like a lot of the time I, I look at his situation and I think people see the, the, the main reason I think a lot of people get so up in arms and so nasty with people is money. Like they, they see him do these things and they're like, you're ruining your body for money or all these kinds of things like that. And I think like, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I just find more sympathy in that. I do think that like people are accountable for things they do, obviously. And I like, there are mm-hmm. waves of things where I have been a little more critical. Like I know I did like the Logan Paul steals your wallet where it's just being like, why the fuck are people trusting this guy? <laughs> Or whatever, but even like in like the Colleen Ballinger thing of her singing this song, it's mostly just like every person does this. It's just we're all mad at this person right now mm-hmm. for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, or for like obvious reasons or whatever. But I mean, like, <laughs> well, not know, everybody. We're, we're going uh, to grooms their audience, but everybody. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. But every, but apology. you know, there's been tons of people who have like made the apologies. Yeah, yeah. no, she. Yeah, the apology. <laughs> yeah, um, but. <laughs> I think it's just about even like the XQC thing, like in a way, like the XQC, it's not like I fuck it. And that's the thing, too, that I think people I think younger audiences see these things and they say, like, you know, this is a hit job or this is oh, like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, fuck this mm. creator. Eh, like, yeah, burn in hell, whatever. <laughs> I don't uh, I, I don't agree with that. I don't hate anybody that I don't even like. I don't hate Logan Paul. I, they're everybody's just so fucking stupid on yeah. YouTube. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to hate them. It's like animals. They're all just these disgusting animals. <laughs> the only problem is whenever they actually affect people outside of their zones, like Logan Paul stealing money from people and yeah. scamming people. People like probably things, to call that, those that's things like out at least irresponsible and it's disgusting but like xqc doing react things where on a platform where people that's that's 90 percent of youtube Mm -hmm. the problem is is when it's Mm -hmm. so egregious and whenever you're just so pompous about it i think that there's criticism to be had but i think it's also like to me it becomes like i see more fun in making a parallel with like like a smog demon like Mm -hmm. or dragon like (laughs) hoarding wealth and like only obsessed with these views and like the uh, the face value of what those views get you and stuff and like and which it, the, the, the XQC thing I was like screaming I was like oh my fucking god these commenters I'm going to rip my hair out mm-hmm. people at the end were like well I don't know why she didn't just take the gold he's like <laughs> he's like go, like blind and I'm like you're missing the complete point of yeah. like excessive greed and, and stuff <laughs> But I think it's like it's funner to make those things, and I think it lasts longer. And I think that it's like art that will yes. be be applicable to more people moving forward. Because if I just did something and it's all referential to like little memes in the moment, mm-hmm. it, in a year it'll be completely devoid of like soul. Yes. So this yeah, moving forward, I think people will be able to put new creators' faces to it. I think the Nick Akato video, I think people can, like, see, like, a horror story within people, like, some of themselves, maybe people they know. I think that, like, that's what I think makes the art transformative and fun. And I think that, like, the idea of it being a parody is surface level for business. Like, if if I didn't have to do parodies, I wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's what's propelled this growth. It's, like, what keeps my team paid. Exactly. And I think, and mm-hmm. that's the thing that to me matters the most um, in the grand scheme of it all versus being just like a pure artur kind of thing. I would much rather just like 
get by and like you know focus like my if if I have like something where I'm like I want this to be like purely myself, I'll I will make it in my mm-hmm. own time and stuff. But you know, there's there's work to be done now. And yeah, doing you know uh, derivative content in the same in the sense that like you're talking about something that other people are already talking about, and that helps you in the algorithm. That can just propel mm-hmm. you to the point where your options for your own creative projects are limitless anyway, right? Like to be able to set yourself Absolutely. up in a way where you can fund your own projects that don't have to be talking about XQC or uh, Ballinger or whatever. You've already done a successful Kickstarter, right? You've done eight episodes of your own show. Yeah, yeah. I did more? a Kickstarter a couple of years ago, which I I was thinking about doing something again, but I've been kind of like back and forth on. But I think that you're right, though. I think it's just it, to me, to me, perception is always king. Like perception is always what will be valuable mm-hmm. in an online space. I mean, like mm-hmm. even when somebody goes to your a channel and they look at like view numbers or whatever, a lot of people will decide to leave or stay by that. If it's low, they're like, oh, mm. I like that this person is kind of like an indie underground thing. Or if somebody's too like low in numbers, they might be like, oh, this is a dead channel, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So to me, I'm just trying to actively be a part of the algorithm, be a part of the not just like I'm not just an animator on YouTube. I want to be a figure on YouTube. And I think that like moving forward in my career, too, I think that like I can't just look at like artists that i want respect from i have to look at like the greater like the fucking family guy enjoyers who Mm -hmm. like keep (laughs) the money flowing you know what i mean like and can set stuff up and like you can do more opportunities because people are like oh i i know that name like just even knowing a name is so much power and you're Mm -hmm. clearly not doing it in a way where you're compromising any like you're not creating content that you don't want to make you're not creating content that isn't reflective of you so yeah no it's not just like you know, like very odd, like it's definitely not just like a content farm or anything like that. Yes. It's not Darman Studios. <laughs> no, it's not Darman. I wish it was, but it's not Darman. Uh, but I want to see. I want to see the Papa Meat interpretation of Darman. I want to see a Darman animation. The Dar the Darman <laughs> the Darman animation. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it, it it it's um, it's just one of those things where it's like it's 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 playing the long game. Mm-hmm. Is, is what I'm trying to do as much as I can. So, well, how yeah. have you navigated the like YouTube systems? Because I mean, we we've all had bad experiences with copyright, with these strikes. Yeah, with do you these get demonetized all the time or what? Yeah, you must do, right? Because you have a lot of like gore. Yeah, how do you deal with that? I've I've tried. They hit me at random times when usually when I'm like, this video is definitely going to get hit. It doesn't. And then whenever I'm like, okay, cool, this is like a pretty, this looks great. And then I'll get like an age gate. Like my, mm. one of my favorite videos I made was that uh, Guy Fieri's Flavor Town, Fogs Over Flavor Town, which is like this beautiful 3D and 2D mixed animation that uh, me and Halupi worked on, who's another great YouTube animator, brilliant 3D artist. And that got age gated because at the end, uh, Guy pokes himself with one of his like poke- porcupine tendril hairs and pulls off a piece of his skin and that caused it to be age gated. (laughs) So it's one, it's like working. You can't use excessive like blood is one thing I found. You can't do like busty anything. Like I think like 
Yeah. If I show somebody with like, if I show somebody with like tits or something like that, usually they are, I will always like the, my, the, the way I draw things, which is just, to, you know, I mean, just everything looks fucking disgusting or whatever, but usually <laughs> the proportions are off. It doesn't look anatomically correct. Like I can get away with these things because there's like the, usually the bot can't detect it because <laughs> it's so skewed. Yeah, you're right. And like, you know, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I've been doing more normal looking characters, too, just because I mean, I don't know. I I get you you get bored after a while doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But the style of that, because I know that's like a I see that as a criticism. I know some people see the the style I use as a crutch. But once again, it's just simply a business move of you have like it's literally every video needs to be like a fucking three layer cake surface level people can that are that dense can point and laugh and clap (laughs) and be like oh my god i know that person and they look weird and that goes a long way like it's crazy yeah of course two it's fun (laughs) two it's fun to draw and i think that it gives you enough leeway to manipulate and like also like do some janky shit with animation not having things on model as much with frame by frame whatever is fine because it looks kind of weird anyways and then um i think just the the third aspect is then you can start worrying about your narrative and stuff which i which is where really where i put all of my heart into is like the writing and it and it is like a towing line between just being like you know uncomfortable dialogue mm-hmm. um but hopefully every time at least i strive to every time um especially within these last couple of years really hit on an actual narrative that's underneath but isn't so surface level to where people would be like this is fucking lame dude like what like what why are you going easy on them you know mm-hmm. what i mean it's like a delicate mm-hmm. little dance that you have to do with people so yeah yeah some some people are are only just going to be interpreting it as some sort of like you know people love drama people love like internet flame war stuff like there, there's entire yeah. communities of people where it's like they don't they can't even comprehend that something can be a criticism without it being like an attack or like oh fucking flame war and it's like oh i you know i thought i was <laughs> yeah, just having a normal yeah. conversation with these people apparently their audience is like thinks i killed someone you know there's always there's <laughs> there's going to be those types of uh communities on the internet and it gets a lot of uh gets a lot of traction so it's you know if they want to watch the videos if they want to contribute to your success great but i love that you're more than that you're (laughs) very clearly not just doing this lowest common denominator bottom of the barrel bullshit you're making something substantive and i really appreciate that you got to do that for yourself and i think like another big Mm -hmm. thing too and i'm sure you know is like you just can't choose your audience like whoever stumbles across your video is going to watch it. You can cultivate an audience by the things you make because of like general interest. But like if something is like a viral cartoon, you have no control about how people, how the way people are going to interpret it. So all you can do is just like make it to the best of your ability where, you know, we're like, I, this is my intention. Mm -hmm. And if people want to like run with it in a different way, that's their, you know, prerogative. Yeah. But I can't control that. I believe that to a degree, and I believe like past a million subs, it gets more difficult to <laughs> mm-hmm. really weed out. You can you can definitely make content that is skewed towards an audience for sure, right? Like you can, but I think like um, when you're talking, at least from my experience, what I've seen, where it's like my intention was to make like this thing where it's clever, and then you see like whole 
Like you'll see a subreddit post with people being like, "Yeah, they dragged that motherfucker face down through the dirt." But like, like <laughs> I want to curb the stomp way, him. the way, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but th that's like the only interaction those viewers have ever had with your channel. Yeah, it's like, well, I can't control that uh, audience that has seen this uh, deal, but you can at least know that like your core fan base, which I, my core fan base, I feel like is, I love them. They're yeah, all the people that talk to you on really, Twitch. really great. Talk to you on Twitch. The people that even comment on my YouTube videos when like a video isn't like a big viral thing. It's fun seeing the discussion people's people have and just like, you know, um, it feels very like respectful in that way, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I love that you do that. I love that people can, you know, no one ever knows the real you in any situation, not even people closest to you in your life. But that there's at least an attempt to, <laughs> you know, be a genuine person. I appreciate that. So. Yeah, I try to always be a respectful arm length away. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've never mm -hmm. really told people my age. Ooh. I think on you, I think on Google it says I'm 42. Nice. So there's that. Okay. Uh, that's true, by the way. Definitely not a lie. Uh, but <laughs> I, I don't. There needs to be like a level of like. Um, I think with anybody, like I mean, nobody's perfect on like on the platform. That's like the biggest thing, and even saying, uh, God, like even just seeing like the sh crazy shit that went down with my buddies at super mega made me mm -hmm. horrified mm -hmm. to even be yeah. an online figure and yeah. stuff. Uh, and it's just a complete shame. I think what happened to them, I think that like it, it's, it's, it's horrible and it just makes me even want to like crawl back even farther and create that distance even more with mm -hmm. like, you don't fucking know me. I don't know you. Just yeah. like laugh if you want to laugh yeah. or yeah, control you know. quick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the it's impossible to not, you know, I think people like people are searching for that parasocial relationship. I think a lot of the time and I I don't know how you really combat that besides just like being like don't <laughs> or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it can be it can be difficult because I think people like are looking to be a part of something and want to feel like they can put their trust in something. So, yeah, there's there's a threshold for everything. There's a spectrum for everything. I don't think it's like completely one way or the other. Like I do. I do try to present myself as like a real person without, you know, <laughs> saying that it's literally a real person because it's not because no one is to. You know, right, right. There's it's literally not possible to know anybody outside your own head. And even then, do you know yourself like. Anyway, uh, Alex, did you have any uh, other questions? Because we could move on I to guess, talk to me. Yeah, others. to wrap this kind of section up, where are the animated horror movies? Like, do, all the big successful animated movies tend to lean towards kids. If we're talking about mm. the West, um, man, like I think horror is underappreciated in a lot absolutely. of ways. I think that it's funny. Horror is like what started the film genre, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Like as an act, like actual mm. film genre. Yeah. And I think that like horror is almost always used as a crutch in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think with animation, people, the like the perception of animation always is that it's juvenile. It's for children. Even though you see you've had South Park, Simpsons, Family Guy be these like monumentous, like money makers, even mm -hmm. just like in terms yeah. of like business, like this is like there's an audience for these things. I think it's always kind of, you know, if you watch this you're a kid unless it's anime which that's kind of become the new narrative where it's like now every adult watches anime and anime is like mm -hmm. you know lifeblood for people 
But I think like I, I, I look at every piece of horror animation out there and it's all usually pretty bad, like not to throw shade at anybody, but it's like there was that new FX show with Danny DeVito. It's fucking terrible. It's a, just another case where it's like not aware of it. Yeah, there you go. And it's it's the uh, <laughs> but it's it, it, it's it's always an outcome where horror is a crutch to comedy. Mm-hmm. Where it's like we're zombies and we mm-hmm. like smoking weed. <laughs> we like we like pounding beers. Hey, I'm a demon and I like to drink alcohol. It's like cool. <laughs> Which is like I I I am actively trying to subvert that because horror and comedy can exist so well together. Mm-hmm. It's so both of them are so absurd. And when I say horror too, I don't remember the last time I last time I was actually scared. I just think the themes of horror are brilliant. I love mm-hmm. the atmosphere you can have with it. People are more comfortable being in a weird atmosphere in horror. It's fun. So I think like I like doing things where it's like you you have the comedy be a crutch for the horror where it's like me. I like doing stuff where it's like uh, I had that video where it's like you're afraid to take a shit in public. So a monster is going to come. And like, that's your punishment. It's like a yokai or something like that, <laughs> where it's like, it's a really silly theme, but we're going to present it in a really serious way. And in a way that like adds to the comedy or it adds to like the horror of it even um, is that we're treating the horror with respect. And the comedy is the thing that's silly, which that's what's <laughs> that's what it needs to be mm-hmm. uh, versus. Yeah, like ugly Americans where it's yeah. Once again, it's like I'm a zombie and I like smoking weed and looking at titties and, you know, my girlfriend's a demon. Like, what are the writers trying to say with that? Like, it's just it's kind of shitty. And also, I think, too, uh, the only thing that has proven to make profit in theaters is animated kids films because parents don't know how to talk with their kids. And they're just like, I'm going to throw you in a movie theater for an hour and a half and you're going to watch this garbage. Mm Yeah. All right, we're going to uh, move on to the... uh, We saw a film called Talk to Me, an Australian horror film. Made by YouTubers. It's (laughs) the first horror film that was made upside down. It's true. It's the first Australian (laughs) movie ever, actually. (laughs) But you didn't know that. The only things to come from Australia are ACDC and Talk to Me. Did Did anybody watch Wolf Creek from like 2005? Oh yes, that was, that was an Australian. Yes, yes, yes. They they made a fucking miniseries out of it, and it's so funny. <laughs> I'll finish it someday. It's kind of dumb. I remember Wolf Creek was like, I remember being like, "This is messed up," and I rewatched that recently, and I'm like, "This movie fucking sucks." It was great like, when I was like 14. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with like all those old remakes, like all the slasher remakes from the early 2000s, and like Hills Have Eyes. I remember like that yeah. being like extremely hard to watch, and then I watched it recently, and compared to shit now, you're like, oh, this is very tame. <laughs> but Wolf Creek, I mean, the original one, it's it's a fun. If you like Australian accents, it's a fun movie to just yeah. Put it's, on. He's a fun. He's like the funniest villain that could could be compared to like a Freddy or Jason or Michael Myers. It's just Australian yeah. man. <laughs> just yeah, <fucking> like <laughs> it's so fatter funny. Steve Irwin, more redneck yeah. Steve Irwin, basically. Oh, I love uh, it. Yeah. That's that's yeah, he's, he's he makes the whole thing fun. Anyway, talk to me. A twenty four made by some YouTubers. Uh what's their channel name again? I don't remember. I never watched them before. Rocka Rocka. Oh yeah. What? Can, can you say that again? Rocka Rocka. Rocka Rocka, yeah. yeah. And uh, you never saw Rocka Rocka before this? No, I didn't know about them before they made this film. 
Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. When I was uh, sorry to die, I'm, I'm not trying to keep interrupting you, but no, the, this uh, is a part of the conversation. Go for it. No, go for it. The uh, yeah. Rocka Rocka guys have, I remember seeing their, they had this big video when I was younger. God, I, I don't know if it was before YouTube or not, but this might have been like 2009 or something. They've been around a long time and they've been filming stuff forever. But they uh, they had the big video pop off where like basically Ronald McDonald just like beats the shit out of a kid on a commercial set. Okay. But the thing that was so different about them uh, was that they knew how to film action. Like they're they're very good action mm. directors and they're stuntmen and shit. And it yeah that, that like that's what set their uh, their channel apart. But yeah, how do we how do we feel about Talk to Me? And how long ago did everybody watch it? I watched it at around uh, in August, I think, at Fantasia. Fest in, Mont- in Montreal, but it was already kind of like out at that point. So, yeah, it's been a couple months for me. I've seen it twice. The first time I saw it was at South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. Whenever they were doing the screenings there. And it, I, yeah, I loved it. I have so much respect for that film, especially just coming from a creator standpoint. I have so much respect for it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, for a freshman film, it feels so full, like so fully realized. And I think that. If this was a 43-year-old man trying to write the script, it would have been dog shit. It would have been yeah. like uh, just like the aspect of like kids getting around in a believable way and like social the way they use social media mm-hmm. doesn't exactly. feel yeah, egregious. Exactly. Like the I was c- trying to compare it to my friend where I was like watch talk to me and then watch that new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie on Netflix. I'm morbidly and, curious about that one, yeah. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where Leatherface goes on to like this like social media party bus. Oh, that and sounds he, like, so funny. Uh, it is. It, well, it, 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 it is funny, but yeah, the guy takes out his phone and he's like, you are so canceled. That's what he says. And then he kills everybody. That sounds so good. <laughs> I have to watch this movie. It's, 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 it's so okay. good. I have to watch that. By that point in the movie, I was just screaming like, fuck you at the, ga- at the TV. So I was good. like, fuck you. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, you know, so in terms yeah. of the script, I like what it explored, and I like... I, I wasn't on board with every excuse that they had for why characters did certain things, and like, yeah, they're kids, and I get that this is, you know... Spoiler discussion, everybody! This is a spoiler discussion, by the way. You know, it's supposed to be a metaphor about, you know, like, drug use and, like, social media and, um, you know, yeah. just these vices that kids have and, like, oversharing and peer pressure. And I get that, but I still felt like they were kind of fucking idiots. <laughs> it, was like, it was one of those horror movies where, like, <laughs> I love, what, like, it's brutal. I love what they're showing, but I do have to get past the... Like everybody's everybody's really 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 dumb. Maybe the the dumbest people on the fucking planet, and it's in a way where it's gonna keep the story going. <laughs> and I I like what they're showing, but everybody's everybody's a moron. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really did not bother me that it was you know dumb kids messing around with this you know allegory for drugs for mm-hmm. partying for yeah just irresponsibility. You know, they're watching KSI, they're, as Hunter said, they're using social media and that all felt very grounded and realistic to mm-hmm. me. And that was definitely something that those guys understand and brought to it, but also like a an energy. It felt it felt really original yes. to me. Um, yeah, extremely energetic. I think Hunter was also saying about that, the action direction of the stuff on YouTube and it really comes through with, yeah, the movements of the camera when they are engaging with the... Uh, the MacGuffin hand, the embalmed hand, which is like a fun way to get everything moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like familiar tropes like opening with a, a gruesome kill in some form, but then the way it like wraps around on itself and explains it and embellishes itself. That was all like really satisfying and 
really awesome to me. Like, yeah, there was really that energy though that kept it going. Like, uh, and some some true, like, uh, surprising, effective horror. Like, uh, we're in spoilers, right? Because there's yeah. that scene later on, I think towards the second act, uh, where the main character is talking to that little girl, and it's kind of the inverse scene where she's says, "I'll show you what it's like," kind of on the other side, and the just the creativity of how they depict what this other mm-hmm. like hellish world is like that that was that was sending a tingle down my spine i got to admit that was like some horrifying imagery right there like claustrophobic and mm-hmm. gory and yeah as i think you already said it does not hold back like i was, I was thinking of you when the the young guy like the he's like smashing his head into the table and it's like oh my god they actually went I, there i just love seeing a kid suffer in a film <laughs> <laughs> clearly yeah i'm like oh there's real consequences there's real stakes here okay yeah cool. It really did feel like consequence was the. You're not. Yeah. You're not making a fake movie. <laughs> I guess mm. in the. Uh, I guess in the original cut too, they said that 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 vision of hell or whatever was originally six minutes, <laughs> six minutes that long. Really? Oh. Of like some horrendous shit that they Ooh. filmed. I want to see that. Yeah. I or do whatever. See that and too. I. 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 I <laughs> begged I, I was like begging that i'm like dude when this gets released on blu-ray you gotta release like a director's yeah. cut of something like that that'd be amazing yeah just some deleted scenes i do i do love that it it brings that sort of fantasy horror element um you know it is we're talking about like the dead and supernatural but i i think that horror works best in terms of creating something that's terrifying when it's like existentially terrifying not just yeah. Oh, there's a thing that's going to hurt me or a thing that's going to kill me. It's like, oh, no, you're actually going to suffer yeah. for like eternity. <laughs> and there's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it is going to be like never ending torture and pain. And it's like, th- this is just awful and you're screwed and there's no way you can get out of this. It's like, <laughs> and oh, they oops. didn't get lost in the exposition of it either. They didn't feel the need to over explain, you know, what was happening or some, some gra- grand <laughs> fix to this, you know, like, a- yeah, the, the movie would be so much worse if they were like, where the hell did this arm come from? And they like yeah, yeah. spent time worrying about that. It would make the movie so fucking bad. It's just it, it it's one of those perfect ex- examples of just like this thing exists in this universe, and that's all you really need to know. And it's mm-hmm. like it it just it just works. And we're showing you that it works, so you can trust us that it works without going into like all this you know monotonous like yeah super convoluted details into this thing and trying to like make sure it makes sense to the audience. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I liked the uh, the mom character. I liked the the no party tonight scene. That was fun. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I I feel like there's there's enough character moments that work in this film that it just doesn't feel like oh it's only it's only for the gore and for the brutality. They, like there's just enough of it. I don't think every character moment works. There are definitely parts of the film where I was kind of like eh, move things along, please. You know, I didn't really care about a couple parts for sure, but yeah, there there was really only a couple parts for me where I was like, if it, it felt like not egregious in that way, but like the pacing. But in terms of like, I guess all the parts that it did feel like that, I'm like, this makes sense for just like a super like a, a child who thinks that they know everything. I think was the fun part of that for me. I think that's like mm-hmm. also why a lot of the stupid moments, like you we were saying earlier too, was like it felt believable because kids think they know everything. And they're just really just super fucking dumb. I think it's like the the big part. And also like putting a lot of like weight of like it's kinda of, it kind of had the same feeling for me whenever you have stuff where people are like, Oh God, 
it's my first day of high school and like acting like high mm-hmm. school really matters and like all these like like blowing things way out of proportion and you have one character who is dealing with like loss and other p- characters who are kind of like trying to care as a high mm-hmm. schooler about those things but not really understanding how to yeah. or just being like get over it which i thought worked really well um I think the only part really that was egregious for me was, or not even egregious, but I was like, oh yeah, a mile away was the uh, the dad death scene. That was where fun. I was like, I felt, yeah. like, I <laughs> thought that that one was kind of like super. The it was like pretty plain, like to see that that was going to happen. But I don't really know if that's should be counted as a negative. I just remember being like, oh yeah. And also, I think the the only other thing, and I'll shut up, is the uh, uh, when the girl leaves the hospital, like her brother. Because she's like, all right, all right I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to come find you. Out of all the things that would happen, I feel like I'd be like, dude, I'm not going to go anywhere near you. Like, what what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm not going to leave my brother here. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, like, the, the reasoning for her leaving, I thought, was a bit, uh, it didn't feel super believable. Or, like, that I, you know, it didn't feel like I was, like, it felt yeah, justified that, enough. That's, uh, that's the one time I was kind of pulled out was in that hospital sequence i love where it wraps up and where it goes and oh. finishes off those characters how miserable so that good. is but that that section where she is yeah in the hospital and has to get him outside i was just like i felt like it skipped it over in a way where it's like it, you just don't think about how this practically happened because this was like <laughs> this this i just feel like it never happened the way it did like i don't know how she mm. kind of snuck him out there and all this kind yeah. of stuff but that was the only time anything of that nature was really pulling me out of the the tone of what it was going for. I think the two, two, the two parts I like the most. I know we talked about the the face smash scene, but the face the face smash scene comes in such a great way when smash they mouth. they did it. Is the Smash Mouth thing the the, <laughs> the dead singer? The uh, he uh, yeah, his ghost pops up in it. It's actually his hand. Um, the uh, the uh, is they only use that one moment of extreme gratuity. And it's very visceral and it like hits you across the face really fucking hard, mm-hmm. but they don't, but, but they don't linger in that and they don't like set a bar that they're like continuously trying to, uh, you know, hit the rest of the movie. It's just mm-hmm. kind of using that one spot. And I think that that makes it a lot more impactful. And I think every time we revisit the child too, now you feel that weight from yes. that. And if it would have happened more, I feel yeah. like you would have, you wouldn't have, really not you would have sympathized with the kid but i don't think that you would have really felt that pain or like i mean every time you see him after that it's it's hard it's like hard to yeah. look at him um yeah, yeah great I, makeup also oh yeah great and i think and that's another thing too is i think that they they took the the ghost route of it in a fun way where i would say the costumes are not necessarily generic but it just feels like dead people Kind of like a six. It's mm-hmm. like a better version of like a six sense vibe of like True. these are just kind of like what they died in and they've just been kind of slowly deteriorating. But it's very it's it's subtle and it also kind of lends itself to why the kids are like, yeah, look at this old hag. Yeah. You know, she's wearing pearls or, you know, like whatever. And it like kind of keeps it fun for them and a little dangerous and weird, um, which I like as well. But I, I I do think the strongest part of this movie I love the most is the ending. Like, I think that the ending is so fun and such a great way to end it. Leaves it open for a sequel. 
yeah. it does it leaves it open for a sequel and it also does something that i love with horror films where it's just like it could be anywhere in the world it could happen to anybody mm-hmm. and i love that it kind mm-hmm. of like it ends on that note too which is really fun like it isn't just like confined to this area it's just something that like gets around like this hand is just something that is passed around all over the world uh, and i, and I, I it is exactly Jumanji, <laughs> and it is, it's actually not the Smash Mouth singer's arm. It's Robin Williams' hand. <laughs> I want to point out the uh, sound design in this film because I felt like mm-hmm. a lot of the kind of creepy, unnerving elements of these possession scenes, or they they wound up using some like very watery sound like like mm-hmm. bubbling and yeah uh you know in a movie it, it's not the first time it's been done but in, in a movie like i don't know the ring you would learn like oh it's specifically because there's water involved and it's like okay that makes sense too but in this film i like that it was just like kind of an added texture to it rather than there mm-hmm. needing to be like a, a, an actual explained you know water <laughs> uh yeah so. it's like an unexplained it's a it's an unexplained folly that just works yes. which I, it's always really fun Love it's it. like it's just uh it, it the, the more like when people can get away with textures like that and then you also aren't like why the why does it sound like they're underwater or something because I, I don't ever think i ever felt that way mm-hmm. i think it just it's it's no. just a nice little layer across the top like an icing that just uh it it just it thickens that sound and makes it feel a little more full, yeah. and I think that it, it helps it a lot. And when something sounds wet, it sounds gross. It's like, why does it sound mm-hmm. wet? <laughs> yeah, without also being <laughs> super like maggoty. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I think also people kind of go that too with like, like too much of like the slushy like, the like almost like yeah, yeah. macaroni and cheese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is surprisingly subtle and subdued. Like it never goes into the realm of like cartoonish horror, which has it has its place. But yeah, it wouldn't have really served this story they were trying yeah. to tell. Because you, you want to be there with those those kids and actually <laughs> feel the stakes and feel the fear. And I I really felt like I did. Um, the only th- the only um. Other like major kind of negative I had was more I don't know while the, while the editing is extremely brisk and I feel like it does move quickly it it, it it felt longer than ninety minutes to me I don't know if that's just a first viewing yeah. experience or there was something about the pacing there where it was maybe sagging a little bit in the middle I yeah I think it, it I, I think it's it. the, I think it's the the character dialogue that I think Adam also said that he not all of it works. Yeah. Yeah, I think that some of it, it's like some of the, con- like, I think that you could speed along those like lulls because I think that you're really excited about stuff and then you kind of come back to the character who's struggling with like missing her mom or like some of the conversations she has with her friends, I think does put you in a sense of like, it really does, uh, we get into like almost a little bit of a tar pit of slowing things down a bit, mm-hmm. but um, I can see how some of those sequences can feel long, almost like it kind of felt like the same like criticisms I saw with like Midnight Mass mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. these long layers of exposition and like uh, dialogue where, you know, the the scripts are good, but I can see people being like, this is like not boring, but slow. Like this feels like kind of a slog to get through it. Yeah, it could have. I. It's not even necessarily that the ratio of dialogue to horror action was wrong. It's just that not all of the dialogue was perfect. And it's and it's clear that they know how to do it and that they can do it. It's just a matter of this being their first feature and hopefully, 
hopefully in their second uh, feature-length film, they can really pinpoint what exactly about the dialogue scenes that worked uh, made them work and to have that as a constant throughout every dialogue scene. That's my ideal. That's my hope. But yeah, just some... Uh, not all of it needed to be there and it kind of just felt like, eh, move things along. But I, I do like that it was only mm -hmm. 90 minutes because even though it did feel longer than that, yeah. it's like it didn't overstay its welcome still. No, no. No, and I think that another thing they did well too for a freshman film is they got over the fucking terrible hump in horror where it's like, we have to show characters being funny and likable mm -hmm, or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that they did that in a really natural way where it didn't feel too egregious. I mean, like found footage films are the worst with that just to like, you know, cause they're setting up like they're trying oh, to kill yeah, time. I just, I, <laughs> yeah. I just got a new, I just got a new camera. It's weird. Oh, that's crazy. Don't record me with that thing. You know, like that kind of thing, whatever. Stop pranking yeah. me. Come on, man. <laughs> hey dude, Tyler, stop funny. dude. Seriously. Yeah. It, but the, uh, <laughs> With the talk to me thing I thought was great was I really liked how they used the the social hangout party things mm -hmm. and how like you you set up a very simple thing about like a, a girl who misses her mom and then you also have her feel like an outcast amongst these people and you see them all having fun and it kind of I, I think it just all leads really well into the justification of her being like I want to fit in I also want to escape. I don't want to feel this way anymore, but I also want to look cool in front of these people. And I think that they, I thought all of the young actors just did a really great job. True. Like, yeah. I liked that a lot. That elevates it. That was like one thing that I noticed when I was watching it was like, I believe all of these characters, none of them feel like shitty 80s slasher, like definitely a 32 year old playing an 18 year old, like showing her tits or something like that. It all yeah. feels mm -hmm. like very believable. I think that's like actually such a huge hurdle to get over is to find like young talented Definitely. people that can pull that off in a believable way. I, th I think it's their highest grossing horror film. A24s yeah. on a tiny budget, 4.5 million as well. That's very impressive. Well, and, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard the story of them talking about that, but initially they got a bigger offer from an, a U.S. studio, but their notes were just egregious. So yeah, then, they wanted to have control. Uh, yeah, Michael and Danny were just like, fuck this. We're just going to film it ourselves. And they they did, and it killed. And if you guys want, if there's any people who are looking for some motivation, go to the Rocka Rocka channel and look at their Sundance f video. And, like, it, it's unbelievable, like, what they've had to overcome. And then to have that thing pan out is just, like, it's uplifting. It's, like, it's impossible not to feel like, wanna, like you want to take over the world after watching it. I feel like it's really, really mm -hmm. good. What would you uh, give uh, Talk to Me out of 10? Yeah, I mean, to, personally, personally I'd get, I give it a 9 out of 10. I love nice. the movie. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, nice. I'm, a, I'm a little bit lower on my first watch, but I have only seen it the one time, so it would be a, a very high 7 out of 10 or 3.5 star for now. Um, but I'm very excited to see what these guys do next. I'm, I'm very happy it was a success for them. Because mm -hmm. um, I think they've got ideas for a sequel, and it's already been greenlit, so... Yeah, it, it's a sequel but, or a prequel, but I think they also just got signed on to do Street Fighter. Excuse me, I think it's called a squeakquel. A squeakquel, that's what it is. <laughs> that's what they were that's right. that's right. And I'm giving this one a very high six out of ten. I will watch it again. I'll probably okay. buy it. I will. I'm in. I'm anticipating the next time I see it. I enjoyed it very much, despite some issues. Hunter recommended a film for all of uh. us to watch. Mm. Yes. We're doing a spoiler discussion of Videodrome, a Cronenberg uh, film, mm. a Canadian film. My boy. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Would you like to give a brief synopsis or, you know, say as much as you want? Spoiler discussion, just kind of introduce the film. Yeah, I mean, the the movie is just about James Woods is not a senile, crazy conservative on Twitter. He's a young man in this <laughs> film, but he's a, like a radio. He's like a television producer and he comes yeah. across like this smut tape called Videodrome and he sees like the potential to make big money off of it. Basically, the whole film is him exploring what this thing is and the repercussions of what this tape has on not only himself, but like like a love interest in the film. But it has it, it, it's a it's an interesting movie where it's like uh, technology and man kind of fuse. It feels very uh, what is it? Uh, Cronenberg-y? Not, not, <laughs> not, not, not for not forthcoming like uh, fortune telling. Yeah. Or like what, 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 like it, it feels like it predicted the future of like what yeah. media is to people now and like that kind of like blend between like what like the media we consume with ourselves and it's just it's awesome it's my favorite one it's like i think it's it was it was cronenberg's first big flop but i think it's 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 my favorite cronenberg film it's it's so good i love it i'm actually curious to hear what you guys think because sometimes i i give it to people and they're like this is great and some people are like what the fuck (laughs) which is very cronenberg as well like what did Mm -hmm. i just watch but Mm -hmm. uh yeah no what do you think, Alex? I'm curious what you, what yeah. you guys think. I was picking up some of those similar things, the uh, ahead of its time nature, you know, with the, you know, it happens a lot of the time with emerging technologies, new ideas, having VHS tapes in the home and the rise of the snuff film and the, these kind of concepts and the, the kind of natural horror that comes from that. Um, I did really like uh, the way that kind of unfolded. It's, it's not really my favorite Cronenberg, though. Um, what is? It has its moments for sure. It's probably Naked Lunch. I'm I'm a big Based. fan of that that story. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know this is this is kind of the one. Um, yeah, the one people point to. Uh, yeah. I, what about you, Adam? Because I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Because um, mm-hmm. when they're talking about the yeah, we're living in over overstimulated times. The desensitization. Um, just the the social media world we live in now, it's, it seemed like they were just describing a, a less exaggerated version of what we are living now. And mm-hmm. that was kind of my, my favorite part of it was, uh, wow, like for 83, this is, this is very prescient. This is, yeah, basically predicting the future. Um, and I always love when a film can do that. It's what you were saying earlier about what you try to embody your animations with. Um, where if you get that narrative in there, you get that story in there. And that, yeah, if you balance the horror elements right, it can just be a timeless kind of story and almost warning of sorts. It's like paranoid. It's very paranoid and it's almost like this weird government psyop stuff that comes in. It's yeah. I like what it was playing with. Um, but I'll get into some deeper thoughts once Adam. Sure. Says his initial thoughts. Yeah. So I've seen, I've seen video. I'd seen video drone once before. This is my second viewing. Uh, glad to be able to revisit it. Um, Cause I think I was like, I don't know, like 15 or something when I saw it the first time. I have no idea, but it was a long time ago. I've seen Naked Lunch. I agree. That is also my favorite Cronenberg, but I haven't seen Existence. I haven't seen Crash. I haven't seen Dead Riggers. So I don't know uh, if those are supposed to be better or how I'd feel about them. It's kind of, I, I kind of um, think of David Cronenberg in a similar way that I do to David Lynch, where a lot of what I consider to be my favorites from them are not necessarily what 
a lot of their diehard fans would consider to be their favorites. I think that I, I just just to say like that that's an interesting point because I think that shows a great director. It's hard to pinpoint which is people's favorite from a racial yeah. to like whatever, but. People mm-hmm. have these conversations about Quentin Tarantino, too. Like, everybody has a different favorite or, like, even a different mm-hmm. least favorite. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's it's never just one. It's it's all completely across the map. And so part of, part of what works for me so well about Naked Lunch is the kind of, like, poetic and metaphorical nature of it. And I just love it, like, as a character piece. And there's so much, like, intrigue about it. Whereas this film, I found that most of what I was enjoying about it was the like practical effects nature, which obviously you're watching a Cronenberg film, you know, it's been memed to death, like the fucking Rick and Morty. It's like, oh, we're turning to Cronenberg's Morty, you know, this body mm-hmm. horror sort of thing, which I thought was done absolutely fantastically in this film. He's got like a big abdussy. <laughs> it is it is an abdussy yeah and they, they are not afraid to show it and like yes. put shit in it and do yeah. it yeah it's, so, i love it yeah have you seen the um like theatrical versus director's cut so we all watched the director's cut so we all saw the like mm-hmm. I, the criterion version i believe is just the director's cut that's what i saw so yeah yeah um yeah do you know like i'm assuming it would just be like oh they showed less of the abdussy or something like it, yeah like when i first saw it it was on sci-fi back way back in the day um and that was like super censored like you know like a lot of like the extremely gratuitous scenes like the one where like the like the gun is like fusing to the hand and like the like Mm. tendrils come out and like go into the skin and stuff it was just less of that but i mean and also like you know god i feel like i cut like 15 fucking minutes of the runtime because a lot of this movie is like very sexual and like very Mm uh uh exploitative in that way and i think that they cut a lot yeah. of that stuff out but I, I mean like the criterion one is the way to go i think just watching the director's cut of it yeah yeah so i do it it's it's an interesting film because it it it's as you were both saying it does kind of touch on these ideas being like ahead of its time um you know into this weird kind of like snuff reality like almost into fucking like you could you could just imagine internet dark web <laughs> material i was actually watching a movie yeah. like a couple days ago where it was like almost about that and i i like what it's touching on i don't like james woods not because of his twitter <laughs> but i feel like he's kind of a a charisma vacuum and i understand that his he's his character is not supposed to be a likable character. He's supposed to be kind of like a sleaze bag. You're supposed to like, like not sleazy, like him. Yeah. But I just found myself um, not really getting much out of like his screen presence. Let's say uh, for most of the, I mean, like for the first thirty minutes, I felt were like really, really, really slow for me just because yeah, i'm not no, i'm right there with you that that was my biggest problem after that 30 minutes was up and it started turning into the more surreal oh what's what's real here what is this yeah. tape doing there is more of like the MacGuffins being explored a bit more then i was kind of like falling in love with what i was seeing but getting there was a bit clunky mm-hmm. to me you know when he's all like he's being the, the the player on on tv and like asking girls out and then jumping to sex scenes and all this kind of stuff like it was like okay, where's this going? I need something to get moving a little bit. I need something about this character to care about or to even hate more. Or, yeah. Yeah, what is, the, what is the impetus of this? Like, where is this going? But 
yeah, it really does take off though after that half an hour. That that's another way in which um, it's kind of it, it was reminding me of David Lynch films is because a lot of the times, sometimes just the experience of the film is more or less connecting with the the tone and the aesthetic mm-hmm. and you know things like the lighting and set design choices and, and like things like that w- when we first get into that room where they're on the sheets on the floor and then it turns into that room i'm like ooh, super into it like i love what they designed there but that's just like such a small moment <laughs> in the first 30 minutes i'm like come on give me more get let's get back to this the the surrealist nature let's get back to like the fucking tv turning into a thing and like oh my god i love that effect of you know the one on the poster he's like putting his head through the tv and you can still see the yeah projected image there it's like a big bubble like mind-blowing effects but yeah in terms of of just the tone and the story and the pieces that exist for the first act it wasn't enough for me that that's my biggest problem is like there's there's things there but it didn't it didn't the the entire structure of it wasn't as uh connecting with me on like a personal level as it could have been yeah i mean i think i think like uh to add to that well one i, I think i <laughs> i don't know i i like james woods in this film mm-hmm. i think like I think James Woods is, but to be fair, I like that he kind of is representative of almost every, in my opinion, every Cronenberg character besides like Jeff Goldblum. He reminded me of Jeff Goldblum in this movie. (laughs) They're kind of similar. I think think he has a favorite. I think (laughs) Jeff, Jeff Goldblum, I think in The Fly is this nerd that you really get behind or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I think he's very mm-hmm. sympathetic. I think James Woods is just, it reminded me a lot. He reminds me more of the character from Scanners. Like, it's just kind mm-hmm. of like a character that is on this journey. And it's it, it's less about, like, I guess the trials and tribulations of him as a character versus, like, the things he's unfolding, you know, the experience he's going through. And I think James Woods' performance is kind of goofy and fun in that way. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it it's it it, it it always stands out to me. Like I don't know. I like it, it. It definitely crescendos and gets better as the more surrealist stuff and as he's like fondling his own ab bussy and stuff. And, <laughs> but like a lot of just like beautiful vignettes in this film. I think that it's more so for me. And like I just love how a lot of the movie is shot. It's just a, mm-hmm. like I think one of his best shot films. Like. Love the red room. Love yep. when he's like whipping the TV. Like all of the, all of he like centers a lot of the, uh, just like the use of like a television screen and like the, a television yeah, box in this film. Yeah. And I think like that is uh really cool. And he still branches out in some fun ways with like that weird fucking headset mm-hmm. and stuff that James Woods wears. And you're like, what the fuck is this thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, but. It's too bright. Uh, it just turns <laughs> turn the brightness it turns down. into this like it <laughs> turns so into like this like weird surrealist nightmare kind of thing. But I, I I enjoy the pacing of the film too. I know that like that, and I I don't know if it's just because I have rose goggles for the movie too, and that could very well be. the You don't case, have but to I, make excuses. Like everybody has. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people that love this and consider it to be his best. So I we want to hear you talk about why you love it. Really, so I think it's just the uh, the the way that the movie flows is almost so nonchalant that when he's like figuring these things out, he's just kind of like walking into buildings and just like asking mm-hmm. these like these like very weird questions that he gets like 
really no answers to like the movie is just kind of full of James Woods just kind of stumbling across like new areas and new things. And I don't know why it's so satisfying to me, but it is. It's just like very bumbly and kind of fucking stupid. But there's like so much intent and so much like artistic vision that's going into like everything that's on screen. Yeah, I just I always feel like. It's almost like I enjoy how simple his character is with some of the complex things that are going on visually, which I think are definitely like the forefront of what's happening, I think, or like what he's trying to do. It 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 is it does strike me as something where it's like, okay, this is very this this is perfectly exactly what he wanted to make. Like this is just what he yeah. wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Even if like not every moment of the film works for me, it's like, oh wow, you you know, you had a vision, you did it. I, I think that just as the film goes along, like I'm so much more into it, just seeing all this crazy fucking like body horror. And when he shoots the guy on stage and his, you know, body starts kind of like weirdly decomposing like in rotting. this kind of like yeah. the thing or like the end of the first Evil Dead almost, but like really incredible. Uh, I don't know, we, not really animatronics or I don't know what to call it, but just practical just rick baker puppetry practical and, effects yeah 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 really f- fucking love that shit we got debbie harry is in the movie who would uh, later many decades later become famous for singing the song fragments by an unkindness uh she was pretty good in it oh yeah there was a lot of boobs in the movie there's a lot of booba there's uh... that's a, that, that that's one thing with Cronenberg. I feel like is he's very he uh, he throws a lot of it's a lot of I don't know if uh, how much of his catalog you've seen, but I feel like a lot of what he films is like sex and stuff, which mm-hmm. is so polar opposite to like I guess who he is as a person. He's a very like which I guess is always kind of the case, right? Like the most like tame people are usually the most ones who make like the most depraved stuff. But I feel mm-hmm. like sex is such an important part of his. Uh, discussion in his film and how it like affects like how not only has how sex affects like people but how it's used effectively to like manipulate people Mm -hmm. and like lust and desire and i always think that that's like an interesting thing with his films um especially something like crash or something where it's just all about that sexual thrill like kind of crazy (laughs) like (laughs) like uh you know near death defying things of getting in a car wreck and that's the only way that you can make as they say <laughs> yeah i i haven't seen that but i know enough about it that i'm very intrigued <laughs> I, know, I know what it's about. yeah music by uh howard shore i think howard shore yeah 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 it was which is crazy because <laughs> mm, i was yeah very different than some of the stuff you picture exactly the the name just has an entirely different association by this point in terms of tone um, but yeah, mm-hmm. the music, the music did a lot for me, uh, very much enjoying the sounds and the, the tones that were being presented and just how it worked with the film. It felt like it was complimenting it very well. It never felt like it was clashing. It always felt like it was being used appropriately, which I really loved. Yeah. The film has a great atmosphere. Yes. Um, and while I, I wasn't really into that first half an hour, there were just these continuous motifs that I was noticing and enjoying, like, yeah, the screen within a screen stuff, that, that weird guy who insists to only speak through pre-recorded videotapes and whatnot. That's that's like a fun thing that carries it through and all this eye imagery with it all coalescing with the uh, 
the like new sunglasses line on the stage and there's that big really impressive set with the the sunglasses in the background and it's all thematic and links together with like being watched and this government intervention and this new tech and these satellites and this weird vr headset and all this kind of stuff i, I just love that paranoia um and this yeah this idea of media control and the government in, incepting these images and experimenting with these technologies and yeah i just kept thinking about like Man, we really are desensitized because so, <laughs> I was thinking about when they're, they're showing the Videodrome footage at the beginning. It's like, man, there's, there's stuff going around on yeah. Twitter right now that's like, more extreme <laughs> yeah. than, than everybody's than this, you know? It. You're right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely right. So it's so, like, yeah, that was, that was really like, a, man, this is, this is really clever. It was scandalous for, for doing in the 80s. So it was like, oh, how can you show that in a film? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you have to remember it through that lens. Like it was 80, 83. Like exactly. Different expectations, different time. But that's, that's part different of Different sensitivities. It, yeah, as prescient. Just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, there's something too that works with the film with me too that like the entire aspect of is that like the characters in the movie are watching Videodrome and it's like, and it's detrimental to them, right? Like it's like destroying mm -hmm. their brains almost. But almost as the movie goes on, as the viewers watching Videodrome, it's almost like, in a way, I wonder how much of it was like supposed to be like, because you're watching Videodrome, your brain's getting fucked with too, because mm -hmm. you're like, you, yeah. you spiral into this like surrealist nightmare with James Woods and like where vision, our vision is aligned with his. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just, I think it's interesting where it's just like, by even just consuming this movie, it's doing exactly what the like video drum is saying that it's doing to you or like watching this kind of like smut is doing the same kind of thing or that video drum is having that effect, which is kind of a fun, like almost like fourth wall break kind yeah, of. Yeah, uh, I, I know exactly what you it. mean. Uh, there's a movie from 2007 called The Signal, not to be confused with the 2011 film called The Signal, but the 2007 one, which I really <laughs> like, uh, David Bruckner directed a third of it. It feels like you're high watching it <laughs> and it's kind of it has a lot of the same yeah. concepts in terms of like, oh, there's a signal and it's infecting people's brains and it makes you go crazy and it's more of a horror movie. But sometimes, you know, things veer in like a different direction. And it's just like it It feels like such a fucking trip watching it where it's like, OK, there is like a meta layer to just f feeling this way watching the film because it's like you feel like you're getting infected by the signal in the same way. I like that. So I know exactly what you're talking about, but I. Yeah, with this film in particular, there's a, there's so much that I appreciate about it, and there's just you know the craftsmanship, the directing, the special effects work, et cetera, et cetera. But just on a personal level, don't really connect to it. Don't like James Woods, <laughs> and there's there's just there's parts of the movie that I wish you know I could just fast forward through and just get to more of the special effects showcase and. Yeah, there's there's so many parts of this movie that work, but just the entire experience is not as strong as it could be. And I will stand naked lunch. <laughs> I, I say stand naked lunch. Yeah, <laughs> I think that like I think all the crit critiques you have too are uh, totally valid. I think that it's just uh, with with anything too with any piece of art. I think it's just like perception and how you. Uh, consume it or whatever. I I I enjoy watching James Woods mm -hmm. just dirtle around like a VHS library and almost like spend ten minutes not saying a single word and just like looking mm -hmm. around menacingly. I don't yeah. know why I I enjoy I, that. 
I wasn't really distracted by James Woods, to be honest. I, th- I thought it was fine and appropriate for the role. Because um, once things started happening to him after that 30-minute point, I was more like, yeah, this, uh, this is the kind of character I want to see this happen to. It's like a, a fun, uh, seedy little experiment. Um, and the fact like he is like, yeah, he works for this in the in the smut department basically and that's like his whole impetus is just going around trying to find the new gross thing to show people um i thought that was like a fun character and i think he sold it for there is some corniness there with how he delivers some of his lines but oh totally i don't know that worked for me that that did work for me Um, it worked it worked in the same way that i like uh kristen glover glover whatever Mm. kristen kristen uh glover gives like very weird performances too almost like he's taking the piss out of the role a little bit mm-hmm. but it it adds to it I, I i i enjoy some of the weird performances that are done by competent directors not just like nicholas cage trash where it's like nicholas cage is a good director or actor but the director doesn't know what to do with them so exactly. then it just comes off as terrible but it's like uh i think it's when the actor is like doing these kind of eccentric performances with Oh, like a good a person who has good vision, I think is always fun, and I think like James Woods to me is filling in that role because I, I you know James Woods is I don't think he's like the best actor in the world, but I think that he is uh, competent enough to like do this kind of hand up performance or kind of like do this kind of like weird like because mm-hmm. I think he's trying to be sexy is the funny thing is yeah. why I think yeah, I like yeah. it so much is that I think James Wood honestly believes that he's. <laughs> being sexy in this role and it's yeah like, him with the whip was like kind of cringe honestly <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> but, and that's like something that, that's like something i love about it is it feels so mm-hmm. much more human of like he feels like this sleazy kind of like guy who has a little bit of power and he's like you know the authoritative guy in this network and he's like it, it kind of reminded me almost like mel gibson and what a what a woman wants or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like uh but but it, it it comes across where it's it's much more human where it's like you get to watch this guy think that he's sexier than he actually is yeah. and i think that, that I lo- adds yeah. to it as well i agree with that i love that about the character it just only didn't really work for me when like it actually worked out for him and he did get like the the hot girl working like with it within meeting her once like they're together in an item it's like man mm. that, I'd love that character a bit more if maybe that that sleaziness didn't quite work out for him in that way. Um, yeah, I always, I always, I always wonder about that too. Of like, also how much of that is supposed to be planned for like his inevitable demise with this uh, tape and like mm-hmm. setting this up and his like infatu- infatuation with this woman who is like we see her. I love that we see her like mouth a lot. Like it's like her lips, like in the, the TV screen. It's like her lips and like teeth are just like huge and it's just like we see her i mean we see her like her naked and stuff but i think it's just the eroticism of just like wanting like almost like make out with this television screen Mm -hmm. but i do like to think that there is this uh this layer of almost like he's being set up to like fall into this fucking like the tape Mm -hmm. is almost like setting up this like weird downfall for him and i think it's like a, a, a this force of nature that's just so much bigger than himself because yeah it's like it, it, it doesn't make sense that she just is like, all right, fine. And they go back to his like kind of <laughs> shitty apartment. Yeah, and then, yeah. uh, it, but then it's just, but then it, 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 that's when I start thinking those things. Cause as soon as that happens, all hell breaks loose for him. And it, it just slowly gets more and more horrible <laughs> until he mm-hmm. just completely goes insane. What would you give the, uh, the video of drones out of 10? 
God, what would I give Videodrome? My heart give it a gives 10. it. I, I, Don't let I us embarrass you. Yeah, yeah, Give it a it. fucking 10. We know you want to give it a 10. I, I give it a 10. I love Videodrome. I love it. Thank you. Yes. Alex, what about you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit low. It's not my favorite Cronenberg I've seen, but man, there's a lot of like, we didn't mention like the dialogue. There's some really thought-provoking, interesting dialogue that I feel like could have been reduced to a commentary as shallow as like, you know, phone bad, like but equivalent to the <laughs> 80s, you know, because it is like a lot of TVs. There's something about that analog uh, like design of everything that, yeah. I don't know, it's just aged well. Um, True. Yeah, I, I like all that stuff. Um, television is reality and all this. There's nothing real outside of our perception of reality. A lot of cleverness. Love the, the Rick Baker practical stuff. Yeah, I'd happily watch this again. This is a, a strong uh, 7 out of 10 for me. And I'm giving this one a 6 out of 10. But I love again. talking about it with you, and I love hearing what uh, you love about it. And don't worry, I'm the uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely uh, not the uh, not in the majority here. A lot of people love this movie, so glad I got to see it again. Glad I got to like solidify my experience with it and have a better understanding of what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy, what worked for me and what didn't. Lots of stuff to appreciate, and uh, yeah, just wish that wish that things were like more suited for me. Just me. Mm -hmm. Just make the movie for me. Nobody else. Just me. You got lunch for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things, too, where I, I tried telling people, like, this film and, like, uh, Posmos Cosmatos, or Cosmo Posmatos, is that the guy's name? Man Mandy Director? Oh, I always uh, forget. yeah, I know exactly who you're name. talking about. Yeah. yeah. I, always, I, I always point people to, like, Videodrome, and I always point people to like Mandy or, like, Over the Dark Rainbow. Beyond the Black Rainbow, yeah. Or Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh, as just like really great ways of like how a director can be super artistic with uh, just like the filmmaking and mm -hmm. like, just like surrealism in that way, I think is really important, especially for 1983. It's yeah. just so early in yeah, that. Yeah. And especially body horror is so new and stuff. And for him to branch out and have it be something that feels also applicable to something that's more prophetic in that way feels just very impressive. So that's, mm. it's always felt very, it near and dear to my heart. I love that movie. But yeah. Yeah. Have you seen A History of Violence as well? That's one of the other ones I've seen. Oh, yeah. It's quite different though. It's based on like a graphic novel, right? I think so. People were always surprised that's a Cronenberg film. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah, seem a little bit different. Yeah, it's kind of out of his wheelhouse, but that's a great one. I love Viego though. I think he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Cronenberg's newest film was really, it was kind of not like necessarily a dud, but it's just like, it plays on like a really cool thing, but I loved Viego and I, I I loved sitting in the theater and watching people be disappointed <laughs> was a great <laughs> with people just being like, what am I watching? Yeah, I haven't seen Crimes of the Future yet, but I'm kind of really curious because of that weird uh, disconnect, that disappointment factor. It does. Look yeah, cool. it's a. Uh, I would pay the ticket price again just to watch Viego like pretend to choke for he he basically is choking for like an hour and a half of the film so it's 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 it's, it's oh, okay. really fun. <laughs> All right, question time. Let's do it. 
Okay, let's do a couple of questions here from the Sardonicast community. Head over to the suggestion thread on the subreddit if you want to leave questions for future episodes. Just like Negotiation Timely 736 did, who says, What's the scariest threat you've received from your fans or haters? I know it sounds extreme, but it seems that entertainment criticism is what drives people to write angry comments and threats towards their beloved properties, even if there's some genuine criticism within the community. Thanks, and we appreciate your appearance, Meat Canyon. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> the a, a community that I'm not going to name, but I kind of referenced earlier in this video. There, there was a comment of someone saying like they can't wait for society to collapse so they can curb stomp people like me because I'm gay. <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> yeah, you got some interesting characters. Oh my god, there. yeah, that's weird. The the curb stomp because I had, I've had a curb stomp one before. That's like such a specific Is it one. From the though, same it's community, like, oh, it's the same person. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Genuinely, yes. So That's maybe funny. it's just this one guy. <laughs> just admit it's the James Woods Twitter followers. Yeah. Just admit that finally. Yeah, it's the Woods. Uh, the Woodsers. I don't think I've ever had any real threats like that. I've had people just be mad because yeah. I mean, as you guys know, it's like if you people can't just people can't usually justify someone just not liking something that they really enjoy yeah. or like love or something and just be like, you know, people can just have different tastes. So yeah, usually it's just like getting called names or whatever, but I don't think anyone's ever like actually threatened violence on me for that. I don't know. Yeah. You know, if you depends on which, uh, which communities you talk to and you know, sometimes if, uh, <laughs> you'd upset certain people in a certain way, you'd see some weird things come out. So is it is it like a Marvel or Star Wars crowd or is it something I'm not going to say anything and I'm going to see if okay. I'm going to see if they think they know who they are. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> That's definitely us boys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this one from Butter467. Question for Meat Canyon, but of course other sides can answer as well. How do you choose as to what topics you want to make a video on since I see you tend to make videos on current trending topics such as Sneaker versus Charlie and XQC being a hoarder? Mm. Um, yeah, I guess you got to make that decision quick, huh? If the if it is more of a trending topic, and you got to you got to be convinced that the the couple week turnaround is is worth it. Yeah, I think that if there's something worth a narrative there, or that can derive inspiration for something cool, I think is uh, is usually what I like to do. Um, otherwise, than that it's literally just a gut feeling of like what's interesting. You create so much shit that like after a while like the aspect of just making something isn't as fun. So you really have to dig deep for actual, like, you know, what gets you excited, which sometimes will be the thing that isn't the most algorithm friendly, but you just have to make shit for yourself, I think. But yeah, no, I mean, you know, can you think of, can the mind breed a, a fun idea that's applicable if so, but the trendy stuff is just literally for engagement and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, what, what, We'll get your uh, your dick tingling. It's kind of the idea. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I watched the the Flash fully, knowing it was something that I was, you know, either going to find funny, bad, or like excruciatingly painful. So mm -hmm. made a video out of that, and it was tough to make it. As in, I didn't enjoy myself, and it took way too long. But <laughs> it's it's doing well, so that's nice. Was it uh, excruciating, or was it funny, bad? It was just, it was painful. It was absolutely painful. 
It was not even funny. So I found it funny, bad. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw the trailers for it, and as soon as I saw Michael Keaton, I was just like, God, like we, God has abandoned us. Like there's no rhyme yeah, it's or pathetic. reason. Yeah, yeah, it's pathetic. Which is a shame. I love Michael Keaton. It's not anything against him, but it's just the idea of that, like Marvel trying to be cute, like or DC trying to be cute, like that. You're just like, God, dude, mm-hmm. please writing please a trend. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sad. Um, Let's do this one then from V for Volta. Do you think there's some truth to there being a negative impact on the film literacy and media comprehension of the wider population due to a current lack of aspiring filmmakers actually engaging with or expressing any important fundamental works of cinema from Alexa Bergman, Dreyer, Powell, Mizuguchi, and many others? While I don't think you have to necessarily like or enjoy these films, being able to at least learn what's possible from the experiences seems fairly invaluable to actualizing your own ideas on screen as effectively as you can. I personally believe someone of immense talent can still instinctively produce something of authenticity and quality regardless of what films they've been exposed to, but I've heard plenty of outcry about this from some channels I follow by all means respect. By... Sorry, this is written a bit strangely, and by all means respect, who claim to struggle to see what's so distinguished or special about most critically acclaimed new releases in the grand scheme of things, and feel that standards are lowering, that audiences and critics alike are gradually becoming way more forgiving and less insightful than they should be overall. I don't know if that's a trend that I agree with. I don't know if that's is it, an yeah, observation. Is it actually falling, or is it, is it just like now everyone just has a voice, so you're just... Yeah, maybe you just hear more stupid people. Like, I think that the uh, media criticism, media literacy, like, these are more accessible than ever. People people are having these conversations on the internet where, you know, it's it's clickbait at this point to be like, ooh, ending explained. And a lot of this, a lot of the times videos like that Mm -hmm. that are doing that kind of clickbait aren't promoting anything substantive. But the the reason why someone would want to click on that in the first place is to, you know, hopefully get some sort of substantive dissection or uh, explanation or conversation out of it. Mm. I feel like I, I don't I don't think we're going in the trend that the was implied by the commenter. But yeah, obviously there is value to not just consuming more different types of media, things that are you know hopefully outside of your bubble if you have a small bubble, but also hearing different people's perspectives on media, even ones that you might disagree with, I think is like a healthy thing to do for your own brain. Yeah. I think there will always, always be artists too that are wanting to be respected. Like people, there there will always be an artist that actually wants to do things like in a authentic way. And I think that comes from also like, it's like with anything though, right? Like, I mean, it's like when you, if you got into like metal, you might just watch like the hits when you're younger, but you want to dive deeper and go farther and find new things. So I think that like exploration and people like wanting to find new stuff will always happen. But at the same time, there will always be garbage and there'll be, there'll be more garbage now just because of what like studios are willing to risk on. But I always think that there will be like an authentic voice for, you know, film. Like, I think that that's just I think that like mm-hmm. the, that that's just always something that will be there. People who are wanting to take influence from things outside of their comfort zones or try new things and find something that gives them that thrill of watching a movie for the first time. Like, I think that that's always something that will be in the the narrative. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I don't think it's specifically a film literacy and media comprehension problem as much as it's just a general literacy and education problem. Just maturity, in general. <laughs> just maturity <laughs> problem, that, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think just a lot of it too. Like I said, I think it's just about so much of it is just what 
studios are like willing to risk on and also like how much like those studios control the market and stuff too yeah. so it's just that shit's just blasted in your face way more like reboots and all that kind of stuff that's just what people want you to sit down and watch because it's the lowest risk kind of thing so and immaturity comes from that too of like people who just like want to consume garbage that's just gonna happen mm-hmm. all right one more question Okay, let's do one more. Let's end on this let's one. Let's do it. From uh, 2021 Stinks Already. What? Maybe a bit on the nose <laughs> for this episode, but what do you consider to be a film that utilizes grotesque imagery in the best way? Who? It's a fitting one to end Grotesque though. imagery. The Thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. So you got you, you to gotta probably go The Thing. The Thing. If I had like branch out even more, I would, if like deeper cuts, I th- like I love Stuart Gordon's From Beyond. It's another great one where it's just like really gross and fun. Same with like Hellraiser, I think is a mm-hmm. great one too. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Absolutely. There's a lot. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of fucking movies that do that. I mean, fucking Videodrome, I think, does that in a good way. Yeah, American Werewolf, that transformation sequence. Naked Lunch. Wolf Creek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf I mean, Creek. Just the, the 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 main antagonist is is body horror within itself. Just looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even the fl- the Flash has some grotesque imagery. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> the Flash is just terrifying. Human centipede. <laughs> I think I, I, I there's not enough people that I mean I've seen a lot of people that like that. I think the French Martyrs is a great one too for yes. that. I don't think enough yeah, people have seen that's that. A very I think, good one. Yeah, I think Martyrs, the French one, not the English version, is very, very good, and it, it has a lot of disturbing imagery. Not so much like eccentric body horror, but I, well, I mean, it is body horror, but it isn't like mutating and stuff. But it is just like a pretty fucking difficult watch, I think, for some of the stuff going on um, in yes. the film. But it's just so well done. I love that movie. So yeah, good. Same. I'm uh, such a great one. I'm also going to shout out Gore Verbinski's The Ring because, you know, just mm-hmm. having that imagery on the videotape. I don't remember how much of it is one to one with Ring You because I love The Ring so much that I've only seen Ring You once. So I, I couldn't even tell you which film to give credit. But a lot of the imagery in, in The Ring is just so memorable and like terrifying. Very iconic. And, like, yeah. yeah well, very... It's still scary to me. Maybe I just watched it at it's the right fun. age, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot of that stuff sticks with you. Like, looking back at it now, I always think like the lighthouse and shit, and I'm like, God, I feel like if I was in theaters today, I might be like, this is so cheesy. But I think like it's just, it's it's perfectly, I watched it at the perfect time in my life, the I feel lighthouse? like, too. Just love it. Isn't there the lighthouse in that movie? Don't they go to, don't they go to the lighthouse? In The Ring? Oh yeah, there's the a ring, I thought yeah. you were talking about the lighthouse oh, as in the lighthouse, the film. I thought you meant, not, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, not not. <laughs> yeah. I, I meant like just the sequence of her like going to uh, like yeah, a lighthouse yeah. where you're just like, what the fuck? But uh, it, but then again, it's like I watched it the perfect time to where now it's just it's all just so charming and fucking horrific and fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I had to do one last one too, it would be the uh, I think Funny Games is another one that's like pretty horrific. And like gruesome yeah. in that nature of just like, but they don't show it. <laughs> the the entire point of that just being like nonsensical violence, or just like watching violence, and just like I think that's uh, a great one too. I, I love, love that funny one. games. Do you, are you a funny games US or funny games uh, Austria German? I like I like the performance of the US one. The guy's a little more in that. If I'm I, le- I, mean, I like the, the US the, one it's, better it's too. The ex- 
it's it's the exact same movie, but I do think that the guys, like the the head uh, antagonist teen, yeah. is very good. Brady Corbett like has extreme, much more of a character good. than the same character did in the German one. Yeah, and I yeah, yeah really great one. I love that director too. I, yes, just another great. He's my favorite. Great guy, actually. Really? Yes. Yes. I thought your favorite. I thought I thought your favorite movie was uh, Holy Mountain. I thought you were going to be like a Tarkovsky guy. Hudarowski or Tartarowski, my bad. Tartarowski. Tartarowski. No, yeah, I mean, like the Holy Mountain is currently my favorite movie, but doesn't necessarily mean that he's my favorite director. Michael Haneke is it? Yeah, that's right. Because people, if I, I, not enough people have seen a lot of his films, just because I think they're, I guess, just foreign. Or whatever, but yeah, the yeah. piano, the piano teacher always stands out to me as just like one of the literal most uncomfortable movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> we did we did that on the podcast yeah. actually too. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, good, cool, yeah. And yeah. how basically Black Swan just stole every aspect of that movie <gasps> is what it feels like uh, every time I see it. <laughs> I've been wanting to watch Cache too. I haven't seen. Oh, Cache, Cache is amazing. That might yeah, be my favorite, but I gotta see it uh, again. Sorry, Alex, you said you haven't seen it. No, no, I've, I've seen Kasha. Oh, yeah, I, have, I okay. just didn't see it again. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I got one more shout out. Sorry. Just Go Titan. A couple years ago. That's got some good grotesque imagery. Titan? Um, quite Cronenberg, yeah, actually. Titan. I think it's Roll. pronounced oh, yeah. Titan. Titan. I know. Yeah. It sucks. It's fucking French. <laughs> that's, uh, that's actually a good recommend, too, for Cronenberg. I know people compare uh, that director with Cronenberg a lot, mm-hmm. with like Raw and stuff like that. So Yeah, yeah. Roar. Roar. Let's <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> not go down that track again. Sorry, everybody. All right. Well, thank you all for the questions. And uh, thank you so much for joining as a guest, Hunter yeah. slash Meat Canyon slash Papa Meat slash Super Meat Boy. Of course. <laughs> Would you, uh, do you want to plug your socials? Like you have a YouTube channel, anything else you want to promote or whatever? Yeah. Just, I mean, just type in Meat Canyon or Papa Meat. You'll find me. You know what's funny? The first time I read your channel name, I thought it was Meat Crayon. Meat, yeah, I thought it was Meat Crayon, yep. which is a very yeah, disturbing yep. subreddit. Yeah. And I was like, a lot what? of people, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people have, have told that to me as well. <laughs> and I didn't know what Meat Crayon was until I yeah, went to the unfortunate subreddit, and then I yeah. was like, oh, well, there, you, there you go. And sometimes in my own subreddit, we get some of those fun Meat Crayon Ew. posts, <laughs> and I have to be like, <laughs> and I have to be like, well. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, oh, wrong one. Oh, Same with it. even just like people posting steaks. It's just like I think they're just looking for a meat subreddit. Oh, like, mm-hmm. just cooked a steak. <laughs> so it's a very odd, it's a very odd subreddit that I have. I yeah. Well, I now with it. AI technology, you can you can have an image of a canyon in the texture of meat. So you I can have actual. God, we're living in good times. Canyons. Yeah, it's 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 truly blessed times. All right, there's a recommendation for next episode. Uh, it's a fucking, it's a huge, we're doing a huge thing next episode. We got, uh, two guests coming on. We got yes. Colin and April. You m- might know, uh, Colin is Colin from Canada. I don't know what April goes as, <laughs> or, or if there's like a, you know, like a, I, I'm not going to say your last name cause I don't know if that's public, but anyway, Colin and April are going to ju- guest on, uh, the next episode. It's episode 150, by the way. Uh, yeah. And we're going to talk about all the Cube films. So Cube, oh, wow. Cube 2 Hypercube, Cube 0, 
and then <laughs> so the cute. Japanese Cube remake. Yeah, we're gonna talk about all of it. It's gonna be packed. It's gonna be long. It's gonna. Oh boy, it's gonna it's gonna be big. We gotta watch yeah, them all soon because we're it. recording that one early. <laughs> so <laughs> it's gonna be my week Less right than now. A week, yeah. Yeah. And if you so if, yeah, anybody listening at home, if you don't want to be spoiled for the Cube films then watch them before the next episode comes out. These episodes come out every two weeks, but you can listen to them early by going to sardonicast.com and signing up for premium. It's only $2 a month. Also, patreon.com slash sardonicast will do the same thing. You can feel good about yourself and support the show. We got merch link in the description. Does our merch link work right now or do we have to fix that? I think it. I think it's working. <laughs> okay. They've just taken some of the products yeah, away because of Ralph leaving. Yeah, we're yeah. Fi- we're figuring some stuff out. We're in a transitionary period. Get those shirts because they're not going to be on sale forever. We're going to have a new design pretty soon. Uh, well, who knows how soon? We're we're busy. We're busy boys. There's a Sardonicast highlights channel as well. You can subscribe to that on YouTube. Hit the bell. Subscribe to the regular channel. Listen to this. Whatever. Blah 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 blah. Thanks so much for guesting. Thank you. This was a fun episode. Thank yeah. you, Hunter. Thanks for having me, man. Check out Meat Canyon and do not check out Meat Crayon. Don't do that one. No, t- ch- check it out. Fuck it. Why not? Mm. <laughs> Roll the dice. Just do it. <laughs> Fuck it. And uh, live a little. Have a happy thousandth planet, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh, God. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.